Good morning, this is Henry Harris, and welcome to another edition of the Spiritual Foundations of Mental Health. Today's topic, resting in your divine space. So let's begin. The Spiritual Foundations of Mental Health suggest the basic premise of this conversation is that your mental well-being, your mental health is unconditional. It's not dependent on anything of this world. It's not dependent on your past. It's not dependent on the present circumstances or your present behaviors. It could be that that a person has suffered a very difficult uh, experience, set of experiences in the past. It could be that he is operating in a uh, unproduct in many unproductive ways in the present moment with various habits or um, patterns of emotional distress and and uh, discomfort. It, None of that is evidence that a person is actually unhealthy. It's true, it's evidence of misunderstanding, but it's very precious to know that our actual health and well-being is unconditional. And I, uh, to me, this is so precious because a person, uh, it, what I have seen is that a person who's healthy pursues health. A person who understands that he's presently healthy has the wherewithal to find his way to guard and enjoy and safe uh, kind of to guard and enjoy his health and to develop his health, to allow that health to be more uh, expressed in his life. It's, it's absolutely, first of all, it's just true. It's true that we are unconditionally healthy and it's extremely consequential to see that for ourselves, to see that there's nothing that points to an inherent lack of health or well-being. So how does it work that a person can come to, to, to see himself as lacking health, as unhealthy, as broken, or uh, there's really something wrong with him when, in fact, his health and well-being is unconditional? Well, this is how it looks to me. I have all kinds of feelings that are kind of going throughout my day and my week. I get, um, I get impatient. I get uh, uh, anxious. I get fearful. I get alternatively calm and peaceful and warm and loving. And I get all kinds of different feelings and experiences. Now, typically for me, I have a preference for nicer feelings. And I have a, uh, I have a, uh, a certain prejudice against unpleasant feelings. And this happens quickly in a way that's not fully visible to me. When I start to get feelings and moods that are unpleasant, that are distressed or something of that type, I kind of inwardly, I'm thinking to myself, well, this is bad, right? This is bad and this is not good. And I, I got to get out of here. Now in that assessment, again, it's happening quickly and not fully in a way that's not fully visible to me in that kind of unconscious assessment. Oh, this is a bad feeling. Get out of here. I'm also conducting a kind of evaluation like, well, where's this coming from so that I can free myself where is it coming from? Where in my life is it? And I start kind of unconsciously assessing, oh, it's my past, or oh, it's this person that is disagreeable with me. Oh, it's my track record at this uh, thing that I haven't been able to do. And I start looking around for the things of this world that are the causes of my dis distress and my displeasure, my unhappy feelings. So, I've the, I'm the one who's kind of decided, oh, this feeling is an indication that there's something bad in my life. And then I, in trying to alleviate myself from that problem, look around for how to problem solve. 
And then innocently, I've gone, I've done a couple things. First of all, I've made in my mind a mistaken assessment. It's a simple and innocent mistake, but it's a it's a it's a mistake nonetheless. The idea that this feeling of displeasure, of sad, of anxious, of fearful, of envy, of whatever, the idea that that's bad and that I can I must get away from it, that's a mistake. There's really nothing. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt or it is, there isn't a displeasure associated with it. I'm not saying that. It, it is unpleasant. I'm, I'm suggesting, though, that it's not bad, meaning something that we must avoid. It's not, it's not dangerous. It's not a problem. It's completely safe. It's completely healthy. It's completely human. So that's the mistake, the first mistake that I make in, in, in kind of my experience of a displeasure or a distressing feeling is that I kind of judge it and assign it like bad, get away from this. And then the second thing that kind of comes out of that is, okay, I look around for, well, where is it coming from so that I can solve my problem? And in that moment, I unconsciously, again, innocently kind of lean into the feeling and the problem of that feeling. And I start to amplify it because I start to link it to things. I start to, to say, oh, the feeling that I must avoid that's so bad and that's dangerous, so to speak, it's linked to this event. It's linked to this person. It's linked to this phenomenon in my life, in this, in this world. And in that moment, I become entangled. I become, I become dependent. My psychological well-being looks to me and I'm actively engaged in kind of asserting this like i'm 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 making the case that i am in fact dependent for my psychological well-being on the things of this world and that's a problem because then i become entangled and i become kind of stuck and i become caught in like a cycle where it feels to me like i know that this is a bad feeling i know i can't be in this feeling i know i must rid myself of the feeling and therefore i must control xyz circumstances or run away from or escape from XYZ circumstances. And generally speaking, I can't control or escape those circumstances. And then I just lead, it just leads to heartache. It leads to this experience of just feeling stuck. And God forbid, it can go further than that. It can lead to real, real discouragement. And it can lead to a person coming to a feeling of like paralysis. Like I'm, I'm, I, I know that I'm in the wrong feeling. There's nothing I know can, that is going to help me get out of this feeling. And there's really, really, really something wrong with my life, right? That's, that's, um, that's not a, a, a pleasurable place to be. And in fact, uh, it's not necessary. It's not necessary. And that's really what this conversation of these, of these, converse, these calls and podcasts are about is is understanding, in fact, how that's an innocent mistake. It's our 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 well-being, our our health, our mental health is unconditional. It's true that we can misunderstand our mental well-being. That's definitely possible, and we can come to view our mental well-being as conditional, as dependent on something of this world. That's fine, and that's normal. It doesn't always feel very good to lose sight of that, but it's. It, it, there's a point where we can start to glimpse the truth about our psychological experience. There's a point where we start to gain this rep- appreciation. Oh, my, my psychological experience is not something that I'm creating or that anything of this world is creating. It's coming from a source that's, well, it's far beyond me, and I'm not the author of it. And yet it's safe, and I can be in the non-controlled nature of my experience of life. I can be in that. I'm not in control and I can be in it. 
And then I, I can experience the, the pleasurable, warm, trusting feelings and have a sense of gratitude. Wow, that's unbelievable. I don't always feel this warm feeling of connection to loved ones or a sense of peace and, and acceptance of my life. I don't always feel that way. That's such a, a blessing. I don't know how to manufacture that. And simultaneously, I'm able to experience distressing feelings. The the upset feelings, the re, the resentful feelings, the fa- the painful feelings, with some appreciation that okay, I don't like this, and it certainly looks to me like I've blown it, or he's blown it, or this is totally bad, and I can't get out from under it. But I I kind of know something about the way my feelings are working. It doesn't it it, it it's it's really not true that my feelings are being created by this traffic or this disagreement or this blunder. Now, again, that doesn't mean that we don't have reason to act in our lives or to intervene in circumstances to try and change things. I'm not suggesting that any attempt to fix or exert control is a, is built on some kind of a, misunderstanding. I'm not. I, I. There are obviously things that we are responsible for. There are things that we're meant to do in life. Um, we are faced with challenges, but it's very helpful to assess the playing field in a truthful way. It's very, it's very, it's very valuable to have a truthful understanding about the nature of this challenge, the nature of what it is that I'm called to act on or respond to. And to the degree that I don't, then I could end up getting very caught up in efforts that are just not necessary. There is no need to fix a difficult feeling. It's true there's a need to respond to someone who's having a hard time, or it's 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 certainly appropriate to respond to some to an injustice that I'm being faced with or someone else is being faced with. But but with an awareness of the difference between the circumstances that are happening around me and my responsibility to them on one hand, and my feelings about them on the other. My feelings are not being created by those circumstances. And 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 let's just be clear that we're talking about a, a kind of a spiritual truth. I don't know how to guide a person in a technique-like manner to see how to see this psychological truth. I can, I know that I can talk about it. I can look for it. I can uh, be interested and curious about it. And as I've expressed in the past, this is a, a mitzvah. There's a commandment in Jewish wisdom to, to learn about and to explore the truth about life, which is that there's a simple, single, simple source behind all life. And that single, simple source is moment to moment animating and energizing all life. There is no other power. Nothing has power to create anything, including the feelings inside me, other than that single, simple source even though we do have choice and we have free will. So um, I don't know how to offer a technique to, as to how to see that, but I know that it's worthwhile to explore and, and consider this idea. And what I found is that to the degree that I'm open and interested in exploring this, it's amazing. I am actually designed with that wisdom, with that same kind of underlying wisdom. I'm designed to sense and acknowledge the simplicity behind life. I am designed and well-suited to see behind the veil of all the kind of what looks to be all these forces and things that are shaping, changing, causing. 
I'm well suited to see behind that and appreciate the oneness behind it all. I really am. And it's, it, it, it's deep, but it's not complicated. So that's, that's kind of my intro. I, I shared that today's topic is um, operating within your divine space. And in particular, I want to address a, a beautiful, wonderful experience that I had recently with, um, with one of my children. One of my one of my children has been struggling over the last uh, number of months in an unpleasant social dynamic. There's a couple friends that um, that she has that she very much wants to be associated to and connected to, but has generally found herself to feel uh, hurt and on kind of disrespected and not considered well in the process. So she's been in this kind of like tussle, this, this, this kind of unpleasant um, triangle. She very much wants to be involved with them. She very much wants to connect with them. Um, and they make room for her, but then she comes back from the experience and she's inevitably feels kind of like annoyed and upset and hurt. But then she can't stop herself from wanting to run after and look for more opportunities to associate with them. And it, it, as a parent, it's, you know, it's never easy to see someone you love kind of caught in something. And I didn't know what to do. You know, I, I, I've certainly like in every, you know, I tried to solutionize. I tried to say, well, don't you see, don't you see what's going on, this and that and the other. And, you know, I try to convince her, call other friends, make other connections. Why are you doing this to yourself? And, you know, sometimes that can be helpful. I wasn't finding it to be so helpful. She wasn't responding or she wasn't changing course as a result. And at a certain point, I did realize, okay, she's a young person. She's definitely experiencing some distress in this and she kind of can't stop herself. You know, she can't stop herself from looking out the window to see what's going on with them and what are they doing and are they near and when is she going to go and are they doing things without her? Um, she was really struggling. And at a certain point I realized, okay, you know what she is, I'm going to try to support her. But at the same time, I really can't stop her from, thank God there was nothing, there was no physical danger. There was no abuse. There was, you know, some mistreatment. There was some lack of consideration and it was unpleasant, but I, I just saw that, okay, I'm going to have to let this kind of play out. There was one occasion where I shared with her a story I shared with her a story of a person who every day came into work and took out his lunch and uh, opened up his lunch and saw that the sandwich packed in his lunch was tuna fish. And he say, and he would declare kind of out loud, ugh, tuna fish again. And then the next day, the same thing would repeat itself. Take out his pack, his lunch, open up his sandwich. Ugh, tuna fish again. And this went on for several days until one day when he took it out, the, his colleagues looked at him and they said, Joe, what are you doing? Why don't you like, why don't you just tell the person making your sandwich to that you don't like tuna fish? And so Joe looked up at them and he said, what do you mean? I'm the one who makes my sandwiches every day. So it, it was kind of, I, I shared this story with her and I didn't really say more than that. You know, I, I didn't say more than that. I just said, like, it seems to me that you're kind of making tuna fish for yourself every day. So that was that. Now, it was fascinating. Just not long ago, um, it was actually, a, it was just several days ago, it was on the fast that we were sitting down. It was just the two of us in the kitchen. And all of a sudden, she just started sharing with me, you know, I'm 
I don't know. I don't remember exactly what she said, but the gist of what she said was, I have been addicted to this uh, friendship, to these friendships. And I was, I couldn't stop myself and I just was addicted. And I was, and she was using such interesting language. She's not a, she's, she's, you know, she's young. She's not uh, a mature, you know, young adult. And it was fascinating to hear how she was speaking about it. And she said, and I can have other friends that I don't want to be, that I feel better about. And I can have this friend and I can have this friend and I can have this friend. And I was shocked by what she was describing. She was really describing and I, and, and how clearly she was expressing her kind of regret, not in an, a, a, not in a kind of condemn, self-condemning way, but just almost like astonished, like, I can't believe that I was so trapped and I was so addicted in, in, this, in this experience. And I have other friends. So I was really struck by it. It was really just amazing to me to hear the way she could speak about it. Now, um, what, what was my takeaway from that? There was very little that I feel that I programmed in her or offered to her or instructed her in that allowed her to see that very helpful understanding. You know, I, I, I was definitely inclined to say, look, if you feel that you need them in your life, but they're mistreating you, that's a sign that you lack self-esteem and it's a sign that you don't, you don't know how to care. I didn't, it was like none of that was really going anywhere, but at a certain point she sensed why am I treating myself like this? Why do I need to do this? I can have other friends. And, and so it was just very striking to me. Um, and I was touched and I was encouraged by that experience. I was reminded, you know, people in life have permission to live and to experiment and, and to kind of learn as they're going through life. Now, certainly when we see someone being hurt or harmed or victimized in some kind of egregious way, it's appropriate to intervene. If I were to see, if I saw that that was happening, I wouldn't just say, well, she's going to learn. If I saw real abuse going on, I, I would have taken action and I would have intervened. But I didn't see that. I just saw that she was having a hard time stopping herself from unpleasant and unproductive uh, friendship or associations. And I trust that every single person in this world, ourselves included, is there is a divine space that we reside in. Now, it's not always visible to us, the divine space. It's not clear to us. Oh, and then she said something interesting. She said, you know, I feel like they were, the two of them were put in my life for me to discover the possibility of other friendships and becoming more independent. Those were her words. I don't remember exactly the words, but those, that was the sentiment. It was very striking that she had that conclusion. Now I, I, I just see that there is a, there is a divine accompaniment. There is a, di a divine wisdom that we are all uh, being availed. That's available to all of us, but it might not be visible to us. The best thing that I see I can do to someone that I love the best thing I could do to myself and the best thing I can do for those I love is to trust that people have access to that wisdom. If I didn't trust in that wisdom, I would be coming after her. Why are you doing this again? And it's so bad. Please stop doing it. And I'm going to call the parents and tell them. And I, it, to the degree that I would crowd her and get involved in kind of managing and giving her a lot of feedback, it tends to in my experience, it tends to crowd her consciousness. It tends to crowd the thinking of the other person where 
she's now thinking to herself like why is he trying to get i already have difficulties why is he giving me a hard time too and you know it would just give her mind more to chew on and more to become kind of processed and involved in processing in this case i really believe that it was me trying to in, enjoying her enjoying and noticing the good that she was involved in it's not like she's if i had come to the conclusion she's a, a child that lacks self esteem i might start seeing that all over the place and i would overlook the ways in which she is not a person with low self esteem she enjoys this and she has these positive experiences with her siblings and she's uh capable and accomplished in this uh ha- hobby and i would i was simply willing and interested to kind of a trust that she's healthy enjoy the places where she's demonstrating that health and it's visible to her and you know offering to the best of my ability some encouragement or some context to to what she was going through and this reminds me of the prayer that we say on a on a daily basis in the in the first prayer that we make in the first prayer blessing of the private prayer that 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 we say every day in the Jewish prayer book, we say in the first blessing, we address God by saying, Elokeinu velokeinu, which is a fascinating thing. We address God by by calling him our God, Elokeinu, our God, and Elokeinu, the God of our fathers, the God of our ancestors. So at first glance, it seems redundant. Like if obviously he's not just our God, he's the God of all those who came before us. So why address him twice? God, the, our God and the God of our ancestors. And that's, that's, that's the first question. And to me, that question seems to be as follows. It's true, I rely on the knowledge of God that has been given to me by those who, who came before me. I really do. I, I, there's so much wisdom in, of the tradition to learn from those who came before me, and it was their walking with God and their relationship with God and their willing to listen and learn from the divine in their lives that I have benefited from from their wisdom, the traditions. On the other hand, there's still Elokeinu, there's still our God, my God. I, I, um, I can't simply rely on the wisdom that has been handed to me from those who came before me. The, the wisdom associated with knowing God and experiencing the divine is not something I can gain exclusively from people who came before me. It really is the case that I am meant to learn and be guided by the divine in my life right now. And not only that, it, why is it that Elokeinu comes before Elokeinu? Our God is mentioned first before the God of our fathers, our God of our ancestors, because in truth, I really can't learn anything without first experiencing and understanding how the divine is helping me and assisting me, and that I have wisdom that is available to me in my life right now, it might not be visible to me, but I know it's present, it's there, it's all in there. There's nothing missing from my daughter that allowed her, There was, the, she didn't need to get a drug, she didn't need to get a technique, she needed an encouraging, warm, and loving space, and some helpful boundaries perhaps, but then it was available to her. And that's true for each one of us. Elokeinu, the, the, there is our divine, the presence of, of God in our lives is a real and rich and necessary space in which we learn that we, we are meant to kind of operate in our divine space. That divine space is, is real. It's happening. It's right now. There's a trend, there's a kind of a, a flow and it is rich 
It feels like I'm stuck. It feels like I'm distressed. It feels like I'm not healthy. Okay, that that is familiar to me for sure. It doesn't change the fact that each and every one of us is residing in a, a particular channel of divine wisdom right now. And that residing in that, acknowledging it, is the path forward. It is the path forward uh, to, to the learning and the growth that we're all meant to experience.